Hello sports fans, this is Gary Plock again from the Gary and Chip Tennis Show. And tonight we have a special guest, uh, someone who I knew from very young age, uh, crossed the river from Louisville and New Albany, Indiana, came a fellow named Dennis Emery. And uh, I remember one day Van Vance, who was the, uh, they called him Van Vance Dancing Pants because he was a local sportscaster for U of L and, and the uh, voice of the Louisville Cardinals and also the Kentucky Colonels where Dan Issel and Louis Dampier for the ABA won a championship. But he was from New Albany also and he told me one time, he said, man, there's this kid and I just see him out at Benford Park, which was one of the parks in New Albany that would, uh, he just hitting on the backboard every day and every day he'd be on it and I'd say, man, that poor kid, you know, he's, I don't know if he's ever going to make anything of himself in tennis. Well, let me tell you something, Dennis Emery became uh, one of the all-time greatest coaches in college history, first uh, at uh, Austin P. State University for five years and then was hired by the great basketball star Cliff Hagen and favorite son of University of Kentucky basketball fans and later a great pro and the athletic director at Kentucky and Dennis went on to have a, a great 30-year career at Kentucky and uh, interesting thing that I would like to talk to Dennis about though is he also raised a son Matthew Emery who was one of the top one or two junior players perennially in junior tennis and is now involved in coaching as, as Dennis was at Kennesaw State down in Atlanta. But Dennis, welcome to the show. Uh, Chip Hooper's not here tonight, but uh, just you and me will have to wing it. Uh, tell me a little bit about your tennis recollections, whatever you may want to talk about. you and Charlie Ellis play. So one of my earliest memories of competitive tennis was I, actually I grew up with a guy named Charlie Ellis who, who really taught me how to play and you were his big rival and Charlie was older than you. I think Charlie was two years older than you in fact. Uh, and you know one of my earliest earliest memories is of Charlie talking about you and how he's going to play you and how good you were on clay but he wanted to play you indoors and and watching some of those great great matches there believe it or not at, at Community Park in New Albany it seemed like you guys played a lot there and I remember a New Albany High School Ballard match that was just an amazing uh, three set match uh, and I think you won that match actually on clay. So uh, that's some of my earliest memories of, of, of New Albany and then uh, going on to, to coach at Austin P. and then at Kentucky, you know, and then seeing all the great players that we competed against while I was at Kentucky. I was thinking the other day, my last match was uh, Eric Quigley in the singles final against Steve Johnson. And Johnson completed a 72-match winning streak in that wow. in that match, and Quigley was actually playing, and he had won 171 matches. He was tied for number one all-time in career wins with a guy named Rick Rudine from Clemson. Yes, and, Rick uh, Rudine. So, <laughs> so if Quigley had won, he would have not only been NCAA champion, but the winningest player of all time. Instead, he's 
shares that honor with Rudine and, and Johnson Finney won his last 72 straight. You know, that's really interesting that you talk about Eric Quigley and, and Kentucky tennis where, you know, quite frankly, when I was in high school and looking at all the schools, and I wasn't the best in the country, but, you know, I was in the bottom of the top ten maybe, and Kentucky at that point, they didn't travel that much, and I was recruited by Kentucky, of course, but it just didn't have the type of program that you developed at Kentucky, and uh, what's interesting to me is, you know, you would hardly, before you came there, ever have anybody from Kentucky that would hardly qualify for an NCAA tournament, let alone a team tournament, which they didn't have at the time. But, uh, you know, you, you produced two NCAA finalists, uh, Eric Quigley and Carlos Drada. Uh, but uh, before that, you had one of my favorite teams, was probably one of the best Kentucky teams I've ever seen not only because of the talent, but the characters that you had on this team. And I think you know what I'm talking about. The, what was it, the 91 or 93 team with John Yancey and uh, oh, Stephen Mather and what, yeah. all our the 90, guys. Yeah, our 92 team won the, won the SEC regular season championship and then also won the, the tournament that year. The only time, you know, we ever did that. And, you know, it's funny. You think you win the regular season, you're going to win the tournament. But it's not the case. I would say, you know, less than 50% of the time that's the case. So it was quite an accomplishment to be able to do both. But Yancey was sure a great, uh, you know, a great player at one. And, Andy and, Potter. Wow, what a, what a player he was. Was Andy yeah. your number two player then or? Year. Is that we right? Had, wow. We had our five. Uh, actually, the SEC final that year, we played uh, LSU, and they had all six players ranked, and we had five of our six players ranked. Uh, our six, Steve Mabbitt from Louisville, who you referred to, was not ranked, but boy, was he, could he ever play? What a great competitor! And he can do anything with the ball. As you probably remember. But that, you know, he came from a great family. That Mather family were tennis players. I think his brother Michael was undefeated at University of Louisville for a season, which I've never heard anybody doing, including John McEnroe. But uh, who were some of the other guys on that team? Was that when uh, Greg Van Enberg and Rich Benson were on the team? No, those guys were those guys were earlier, on the weren't they? 88 team. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was. Championship. So that was, a, you know, an amazing team. We had four of those guys. Uh, our top four all reached the top uh, 200 in the world, and, and two of those guys reached top 100. Now, in the who world. is and who? Who are those four that you're talking about? Uh, well, Van Enberg. You know, Greg Van Enberg, who is now the tennis coach at Georgia Southern. I understand. Florida Southern. Florida Southern. Thank you. Super, super player. 
he and he, he was a senior that year, and then we had another senior that you remember, a guy named Scott Hulse, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. who played number three and just had an amazing, amazing last two years for us. Went from being a walk-on to being an All-American uh, in doubles uh, with Potter, actually. And then uh, our two-player was a guy named Mayor Gudars. Oh, and what talent he, he had. You know, that guy could hit the ball harder than – he was just unbelievable, like a Gene Mayer forehand, the way he would slap it. And Maybe that's why he got wrist problems. I don't know, because he was using that profile, that big fat racket. But – Boy, what a talent say, he was! I was gonna say you would you would love Gudars because he used to the silver profile, you know, not even the gold. That's exactly right. He had the three point six. Yes, that's yeah, right. The With heavier, the denser string line. pattern and heavier racket, boy, he could whip that thing. He now he was Mayor Gudars. He was an Australian, wasn't he, Coach? Right. He, he was from Melbourne, and he. Uh, Actually, we were playing at Pepperdine, and he tried to snap off a backhand overhead and tore that ligament in his wrist. So, you know, that he, he came back. He was not quite the same after that. Uh, but then the, the four-player on that team was one of the best players I ever coached, and he only, he was, only got to coach him one year. It was a guy named David Culley. I remember David Culley. Yes, from yeah. another Aussie? or Yeah, he was an Aussie from Perth. Mm-hmm. Boy, he was a tough player. He didn't lose. He didn't lose much in singles either, as I remember. No, no. I mean, no, that was in singles. That was their combined oh. record. In the oh, I see. 23 and 1. Yeah, so. In a tough conference like the SEC. Well, you know, that's, you know, it's really phenomenal that you, uh, you, you got a team together. You know, it's kind of like Kentucky in the football team. You know, it's it's wasn't known as a as a tennis school. It was usually with Vandy and maybe a couple teams, usually the bottom of the conference. But you really changed that, and you know, those guys were great players. I, I just wonder if that uh, that racket being so heavy might have hurt Mayor Budars on that. Uh, well, it definitely did on that on that shot. You know, <laughs> as, as strong as he was, even he would have trouble with that yeah hey hey dennis oh sorry i I didn't mean to interrupt but yeah i was just thinking you know you it it must be interesting i mean here you are as a tennis coach and not only do you have matthew who was you know one of the top players in the nation and having him as a junior and and carting him around but you had merit your daughter who ended up playing at alabama and was a, a top tier player nationally too um, you must have had, you know, your wife Brenda, who's done so much with tennis too. It must have really been a team effort for you to have coach the team, be gone on recruiting, be gone for matches, and then, you know, raise these children and still have a program for them so they can compete at that level. Yeah, well, they, you know, our kids wouldn't have been where they were at without Brenda because, you know, she's a good, very good coach in her own right in, in the way she handled people and she coached uh, three state championship teams and six champ state championship singles players in a row at uh, uh, Lexington Christian Academy in Lexington is that right that's right so yeah so she understood the game and she understood you know what Matthew and Merritt you know she sort of understood 
them and that was a huge huge help and, and you're right because it's for you know from january to may you're focused on your team you know almost all the time and, and you know, so for that period of time you got to have somebody to pick up the slack wow well it's you know and and you met uh, your wife brenda actually in college it, it, she was a tennis player as well is that correct she became a tennis player after meeting me <laughs> It, I thought she was playing on the uh, Carson Newman team back in the day. She walked on ah. her senior year. Is that right? Learning how to play. Is that right? <laughs> I did not know that. I thought she was, she now she was a Florida girl. Is that right? And she came up that's, to school there? That's right. That's correct. I did not know that. I thought she came up to play tennis. No, no. Actually, volleyball. Is that right? So you had the you got the whole family involved in tennis, and you know your kids are, are going. And now Matthew becomes an assistant coach after he finishes his career. He had a had a had a, a tragic eye accident, I guess, that kind of stymied his career uh, in terms of professionally, if I'm not mistaken, in college. But uh, and now he is was an assistant coach at the University of Kentucky and now has gone on to uh, head coaching like you, following in the father's footsteps. Right. Well, he was an assistant coach with me for two years. He actually went to Maryland his first year. Oh, did he? And, uh-huh. Who was and coach up there? Kyle Spencer. Oh, I see. The head coach, and they took over the program, and, and then Maryland dropped the program. And... Uh, so then he became my assistant coach for two years, and then he was with Cedric for seven years. Cedric uh, Kaufman, the current coach. Yeah, and and then decided to go to Kennesaw State as the head coach, and you know just kind of wanted to get out and do his own thing and and be the boss and and see how he felt like that was his best course to you know really improving himself as a coach so that's what he did well you know you uh brought something up when you talked about maryland and i know that a few other schools have been dropping their tennis programs uh what do you think is you think that's a trend that's going to continue with the uh economics of 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 minor sports uh, where it's just going to be the big schools that can handle it financially or what what's your view on that that's the way it's headed and you know I, I don't think the big schools have any you know the power five schools as they would say I don't think they have any uh, you know reason to drop sports you know in fact you know we're building a 24 million dollar facility and that's to keep up with Alabama and South Carolina and Texas who huh. all built these great new facilities so the people at the top the schools at the top you know they're they're increasing you know their commitment to tennis but the schools at the bottom you know they're not going to be able to keep up uh, you know particularly if the ncaa uh, you know allows them to start paying football players and, and that type of thing the, the money's just not there at the oh, i see levels. are they talking about doing that i know it's been kicked around but in terms of paying athletes and other sports the major revenue sports they would I'm sure they would end up paying the tennis players also 
you know, and, you know, that's, as somebody who loves amateur sports, you know, that's something I'm not a big fan of, but it seems like that's the direction it's going, you know, in spite of, you know, in spite of, you know, the economics and the finances of all of it. Yeah. With, with Dennis, you know, I know that you're like me. You're kind of a tennis junkie uh, and, a, and a sports junkie on top of that. And I thought it would be interesting to ask you a question because I seem to remember that because in your eternal quest for knowledge as a tennis coach, you did is it true that you went up and talked to Bobby Knight and Woody Hayes to try to get some coaching tips? several days with Coach Knight, actually. And several days? Yeah, you know, you know, not in a row. <laughs> you know, a couple times. <laughs> he, he's a history guy like I am. And uh, so we, you know, we got to where we corresponded about General Patton and, you know, the leadership during war. And so I went up there. Really? Very, very intimidating. Uh, you know, you... He made it very clear to me, and in fact, told me one time when I responded to him about, you know, he said he couldn't coach tennis players because they're just too soft. And, you know, <laughs> he, he would he would rather do anything but coach tennis. You know, and I told him, you know, look, that's you know that's really not true. You know, there's some there's some soft tennis players for sure, but there's some great kids that you would love to coach. You know, there's. There's Eric Quigley and there's mm-hmm. Jesse Witten. There's mm-hmm. some guys that mm-hmm. you know that you you and Gary Block. Jesse Witten. There's a there's another NCAA finalist that you had, Jesse Witten. Yeah. Well, what a great player he was. Yeah, yeah, we had three. But um, you know, Coach Knight and I told him, you know, that's that's simply not true. What you know, what you're saying, and he made it very clear that if I was going to stay up there. It, and talk to him that I was going to listen to what he had to say and that there was nothing that I had to say that could possibly be of any interest to him. So I learned that lesson quick. (laughs) (laughs) Where where, where did you go up to the IU, you know, um, sports department and just go into his office and talk to him? Was that the venue? No, I wrote him a letter. Oh, you're talking about once we got... No, you wrote him uh, a letter. Go ahead. Invited me up for a weekend at his house, and uh, it was during the summer, so it was during his basketball camp. Uh-huh. But it was just, it was just too tough. I mean, uh, I mean, we <laughs> spent the first day together, and I said, "Look, I've got to get home." You know, I, I can't. Uh, was he browbeating? Just constant oh, browbeating yeah. of the tennis players and saying uh, they were me. soft <laughs> of you yeah. for coaching uh, tennis instead of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I, I went back up a lot of times to go to practice because you know he's he was an amazing coach when he wanted to coach. And it was at near the end of his time at Indiana. You know, he just you got the feeling he didn't want to coach all the time. And you know, those days, those days, he would just sit on the sidelines and, and not do much. Is that is, right? Yeah, which is shocking when you think of Bobby Knight. But the days that he wanted to coach, there was a lot of stuff that I, you know, I I used, uh, you know, in my tennis, oh, you know, until the very last year that I coached college tennis because it was so insightful, I thought. 
Do you think that, um, be, you know, you think that was because Bobby Knight just got older and it was just the number of years? Because it's interesting, I went down to Tampa with Bob Lindsay, a fellow Ballard Bruin basketball player, to see the last game of Richard Schmidt, who was very much like Bobby Knight, the Ballard basketball coach, and still teaching coaching at the University of Tampa and uh, uh, just kind of interesting because he got up and was fiery on the sidelines but at the same times a lot of times he wasn't and I just wonder if that's a product of age as well or if it's a product of just number of years spent and familiarity with it. You know, the one thing that I would like to ask you also is people are interested, and I'm interested in talking about things just other than tennis, but athletics is a friend of yours that uh, has been involved in tennis for years around Lexington that's probably the most beloved basketball player in uh, University of Kentucky history, Kyle Macy. Um, Kyle, who I guess was... Final Four in Indiana in tennis as well and played a little tennis at Purdue before he transferred to Kentucky. But uh, uh, what about Kyle? What, what are your insights about a guy like that? Well, you know, the, the, thing, that's, the thing that he does best is he's a very quietly confident guy, you know, and that, I think that really helps him in an individual sport like tennis. I know I'm sure it was a big deal for him in basketball. Uh, you know, but I, I really think that that inner that inner confidence, you know, really shows up in tennis. Uh, it's interesting when you when you play with him. You know, you uh, unless you have a great left-handed kick serve like you have, and can keep somebody <laughs> like that off balance. You you know what you find out is that reach that they have. It's, it's very difficult to penetrate the court against those guys uh, you know those NBA guys uh, we actually play with another guy you know who, who's uh, he's now the the chief scout for the Hornets is a guy named Kevin Greavy and they, you, oh yes I hit some tennis balls with Kevin Greavy in, uh, in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, during yeah. the pro tournament there and now he's he's a scout with the Hornets and is he in Lexington now? no I see. During the during the season, uh -huh. so but um, you know you what you see is how competitive you know those NBA guys like like Kyle and Kevin Greavy you know they're they're where they're at for a reason. 
reason, and that is, you know, they are very, very competitive individuals. They may not be throwing rackets or breaking rackets or anything like that, but they're very competitive, and you know that that comes across. Um, so, I, I, you know, you're asking about Kyle. I think, you know, he really would like to go out and play you know, the national senior tour like he did this summer. And I would have to think he would do, you know, awfully well, you know, if he did that. Yeah, you know, there are certain athletes that I've seen, and and I played a little basketball in high school, even though I was uh, not not too good. But um, Kyle Macy reminds me of Bjorn Borg in a way because he has that quiet confidence that you need you need confidence and some people exhibit it externally and some people like Arthur Ashe uh, they internalize that and you know Kyle is the type of guy that's so secure with himself it seems like it that you know the way he was brought up that's the way you did it and uh, he just he did exhibit that confidence and I I guess that's why he shot 10 for 10 in free throws against Michigan State you know with a year they won the uh, NCAAs you know he just had that confidence That's right. Yeah, it gives you a, you know, it gives you an idea of how much better of an athlete he is, even though he isn't a flashy athlete. You know how how much better of an athlete he is than than you think um, that he is. Um, you know, Kyle doesn't play with quite the same spin that that Borg played with, though. <laughs> Yeah, but he might Borg might not be able to shoot free throws like Kyle. But uh, you know that's that's interesting because you know uh, Kyle did some great things. You know he he played with Michael Jordan alongside the Chicago Bulls and uh, had a, had a great career. And and now he's doing some uh, broadcasting and and featuring Kentucky basketball players. What is it called? From the Rafters that uh, he's doing. Uh-huh. And it's it's actually a project that we're doing together. I see. Um, it's an oral history of uh, UK sports, where we've inter- you know we've interviewed. Oh my goodness, you know Eric Quigley, Paul Varga, uh, you know Jesse Witten, all the all those great players for us, as well as some other guys. And then in basketball, Kyle, Kyle does the basketball part of that for me and uh, we've interviewed you know Frank Ramsey Cliff Hagen Cotton Dash these are all names oh great names we know yes Dan what about Dan Issel you had him Louis Dampier yet we've had both of those guys Uh and and it's just just amazing and and so what he's done is he's taken from that you know the players who have their their rafter their jersey retired in Rupp Arena and he's I see. Well, did uh, Kyle? Did uh, didn't they have a, uh, a NBA tennis tournament every year? Oh, not that I'm aware of. Really? He'd have to have done awfully well. He'd have to have really good at that. Well, I thought. Yeah, he. I, I think he told me maybe he won that time or two. I'm not sure about that, but I remember Gail Goodrich being a pretty good tennis player. What are what other athletes do you know of that were good tennis players? 
Yes, good in tennis. Well, you know one that you know of is Cliff Hagen. Yes, Cliff Hagen was was a really nice tennis player. But, you know, tennis is a different type of game, and it's not something that just you can pick up just because you're an athlete, I guess. I, I think I remember Rick Barry being a pretty good tennis player, but I That's never saw right. him. Uh, but tennis is different. Yeah. Well, there's just so many, as you know, there's so many different skills you have to learn in tennis. And, and there's you can hide your deficiencies, but... You can't put, set them down on the bench or call time out to hide them. You know, you've got to hide them with your strengths. Not easy to do. And uh, Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you're out there mono-e-mono with one other person. You can't blame it on the other four guys if you don't win. But, uh, Coach, I tell you what, it's been great visiting with you, and I hope you come back. It's uh always nice to hear from you and, and congratulations on a great career and sounds like you're keeping on keeping on well thanks gary i really appreciate it all right have a good evening all right bye-bye